Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that despite our doctor's advice, we keep letting spiders bite us in hopes of gaining superpowers. I'm Drew, I'll be your host for the evening, along with me as always is Pete. How's it going? And we're one guy down tonight, uh, our sound guy Ryan is going to be extra quiet, he couldn't be here with <laughs> us this evening, so we are uh, flying solo, I guess. Uh, Han and Chewy solo, that is. Um, <laughs> anyway, Peter, uh, did we watch anything this week? Uh, yeah, I actually, there's a couple of things I watched. Um, first, I actually finally got the chance to sit down and watch uh, Get Out. Have you seen this movie oh, yet? Oh, yes, all? yes, okay. I have. So I've been wanting to see this movie for a long time because I've just heard it's a really well done horror movie. And um, I'm actually not sure if I'd consider it more of a horror or a thriller movie, but uh, because it's like, it's one of those things where there's kind of a sci fi or supernatural aspect to it, but the real like horrors in the movie are extremely realistic i guess but i just like how the trailer makes it look like a horror film yeah and it's like how like when you watch the trailer and then go this got nominated for a best picture and then when you yeah. watch the movie it's completely not what the trailer makes it look like <laughs> exactly you know? like so you couldn't follow it at all but then i also really enjoyed this movie cuz it's one of the creepiest movies I think I've ever seen like throughout the whole thing I was genuinely like kind of creeped out like the whole time and it does like just such a good job of uh making you feel that unease and fear and stuff like that so definitely yeah I really liked it but mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure and then um the other thing I actually I started watching Castlevania on Netflix finally okay cool uh um, how far are you I'm only two episodes in so I just started started it last night and only had the chance to watch two episodes but I'm liking it so far. Um, my thoughts so far, one, the story is moving very fast, like much faster than I thought, and uh, two, it's very violent. <laughs> it's more violent than I expected, but overall I think it's really good and the, the animation's story awesome, pacing, so. The story pacing caught me off guard when I first started watching it, but the first season is only four episodes. Yeah. So I, wasn't, I was thinking that was probably had something to do with yeah. You know, the fact that it's only four episodes. However, I am two episodes to the end of season two. Yeah. Uh, season two is a longer season, uh, which is interesting because I was I was going to bring up the fact that I'm watching more of the show right now. Okay, nice. Um, I'm two episodes to the end of the season, and the pacing that, I, that you're noticing at the beginning, I think, kind of caught up to itself in mm -hmm. terms of I don't really notice the pacing. Yeah. So So I, I think the first episode I realized that they had to tell this huge backstory of like who Dracula is, what his motivations are, and like how he kind of became the this giant which I menace on this land. Awesome. Yeah. It's super interesting. But yeah, that's just they had to establish all that mm -hmm. at once and then I can tell where it's starting to kind of plateau and start start to have a a little bit slower of a pace, which I enjoy because I always like to get a feel for the world we're in and kind of like 
live in it, so to speak, as I watch it, you know, vicariously. So, yeah. Yeah, really enjoying it so yeah, far. Yeah, I, so. I am too, and since I'm almost done with it, I don't know what's next on my watch list. <laughs> nice. Uh, in terms of television uh, binging, I guess, because I watch it bizarrely. I watch it right before I go to work. Okay. Like, I watch an episode, and then I go to work. Like, I have this half-hour pocket where I watch something, and that shows <laughs> half hour, which is great. Yeah. And so <laughs> I watch the news, like, to get the weather, and then I watch an episode, and then I leave. And mm-hmm. so I don't know what I'm going to watch in the mornings now. Nice. Um, I watched The Spy Who Dumped Me. Okay. How was um, that? Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. And um, it's, well, first off, it's a rated R comedy, which uh, they, they're they obvi- they're definitely going for the hard R, but uh, it's not as funny as I was hoping it was going to be. And okay. maybe my hopes, my high hopes were a little, I maybe maybe my hopes were a little higher than they should have been. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. The, um, the movie itself is actually pretty decent. I think that the humor is there, but I was thinking my expectations are too high. And usually with comedies, you watch them a couple times anyway because you'll catch them on TV and that kind of thing. So, right on. Yeah. Um, I know I'll rewatch it at some point, uh, and I'll probably see it'll be funnier to me then. <laughs> okay. But um, the movie itself was actually really cool, and the fight scenes, however, were like really intense. Nice. Like, they were like quality gunfights and you know, yeah, fist fights and stuff. Like it was kind of cool. Like it was almost like they took a pay. Uh, page from um, some of the fight scenes of the Kingsman. Oh, um, awesome! In terms of like quality of gun battles, so uh, oh, you know, I, w- I was pretty impressed with some of that stuff. So, oh, that's I don't know. awesome! It's as a movie, it was de- it's definitely worth the watch. So, yeah, sounds awesome. <laughs> All right. um, let's move on to news because okay. we have a Perfect. lot of news yeah. to discuss. Um, first off. I, this is kind of a quick thing. There's not much to say about it, but if you haven't, if you didn't know, there's a live-action Kim Possible movie coming. <laughs> I actually didn't know about this, but um, do you have any thoughts on it? I honestly didn't watch a lot of Kim Possible, so I don't know if I care. Um, I I'm not sure how I feel about whatever. You want to do a live-action, whatever. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. Uh, they released a photo of the, but I know there's Kim Possible fans out there, so. Um, they released a photo of the two villains in costume and full makeup Okay. on the internet earlier today. Um, they look good. That's all I can really say about it. Uh, the main character, the main villain has like blue skin in okay. the cartoon. Yeah. In the movie, it looks like they got, it's just normal colored skin, but his veins are blue. So they're, okay. you know, I, he looks good. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? There's, it, you're going to get a little bit of adaptation. Yeah. Uh, I met Kim Possible at Disney. <laughs> okay. Nice. I was at Disney and she was there taking yeah. photos with the kids, so I went up and got a photo. Um, but when you met Kim Possible, <laughs> was it just like a uh, regular girl playing her? Or yeah, was it was just, like a... no, it was it was one of the characters yeah. in the park. It well, was I, just... didn't, I didn't know if it was like a big cartoony like mascot suit that's made to look like Kim Possible. No, it was a girl dressed up okay. in the Kim Possible. Like it was clearly like one of the yeah cast members at the park dressed up to look like Kim Possible <laughs> taking pictures. Fair and I'm like, hey, it's Kim Possible. Uh, so. Yeah, anyway. Nice. Um, so, Kim Possible movie, if you're a Kim Possible fan, I just thought it was interesting because the photo released and it looked good and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, we talked uh, Castlevania yeah. earlier in our watch segment. So, if you like video games and you're liking what the Castlevania... Like, this... I really like this Castlevania show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really excited to find out they're doing a devil... Ma- that the same guys who are doing Castlevania are going to do Devil May Cry, the series. 
for Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think that's <clears throat> awesome. Um, Netflix, I had read somewhere, like, right before the Disney stuff hit, all the big Disney news, I had read somewhere that Netflix was scrambling to get content, and one of the things they did was they signed some contract to get, like, a large quantity of animated stuff. Yeah. From, not just in terms of, like, animated, like, like the DC, well, DC releases a lot of animated films. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's some of them, maybe not. But that's an example. So those are animated things. But then anime has a whole other side to animation. Mm-hmm. So, but knowing that Castlevania is doing well enough to get a second season, doing a Devil May Cry series, that just sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, I've only played like a couple of the Devil May Cry games, and they're cool. But I would totally be on board for the show. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch it. So. Um, I'm like, I haven't played a lot of the games for Devil May Cry. There actually was a. Uh older anime series that came out for Devil May Cry and I've watched that and it's a it's just like a full a short like 12 episode series and it's kind of like super tropey and stuff in a lot of ways but I just loved the world from it like I love uh Dante as a character and seeing him fight all these supernatural monsters and stuff and I'm pretty pumped about it and like Castlevania from what I've seen is pretty awesome so I'm excited for what's to come and oddly enough like from what I've heard, it sounds like this might, like Devil May Cry might be in the same universe as Castlevania, but just different time periods, I guess. So like Devil May Cry is modern day and Castlevania is like That's interesting the if, they, if they're like going to build like a shared universe amongst video games somehow and kind of rope them together. Like yeah. The way you say that, that's what makes me feel like that's what's going to could potentially happen. That's what I've just been seeing rumblings of that, like within different articles I've read about this. And I don't know if it's all hearsay, but... If it is a shared universe, one, that's really awesome, but two, that's really weird because Castlevania's Konami and Devil May Cry comes from Capcom, so it's just completely completely different video game companies. I assume they're going to be separate to start, um, but that idea is just cool. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's... I'm going to lump a couple of these together because... DC released some news this week that we need to discuss. Yeah. Um, so first off, let's talk about Birds of Prey, because this made me laugh. All right. <laughs> um, so Margot Robbie, who plays Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad, is reprising her role as Harley Quinn for the Birds of Prey film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've known this for a while, but Margot Robbie today, if you follow her on Instagram, which I do, posted a photo of the cover of her script for Birds of Prey. Have you seen, did you see the picture? Yeah, I did, actually. Okay. And it said Birds of Prey. Um, her name was there. And, the, like, it so typed out Birds of Prey, her name was yeah. there. And then there was a thing at the bottom, like, like almost like a reminder of the NDA. Okay. <laughs> that she signed, like, this is <laughs> yeah. copyright, this is directly contributed to you, your, you know, like, the signed agreement, like, I'm not allowed to talk about this script. Yeah. But it was a just a picture of that cover, and then she had handwritten... Under it, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, and then kiss the page because there was yeah. a lipstick mark like she kissed it. Mm-hmm. What I think is funny about that is that according to the Hollywood Hollywood Reporter, it is confirmed that the full title of the movie is 
Birds of Prey, and the Fantabulous Emancipation <laughs> of One Harley Quinn. Oh, that's weird. That's like, crazy, but that's <laughs> right. cool. Like, we're all going to call it Birds of Prey, and that's yeah. probably, like, how they're going to market it, but that's, like, the weird subtitle. Yeah. So, like, I can almost see it on screen. <laughs> Birds of Prey comes up, so you see the title by itself, and then that's going to just appear, like, in this weird, <laughs> crooked, like... <laughs> can they put a... Uh... Dawn of before that, like Dawn of the Fantabulous, yada well, yada yada. <laughs> so, what's fu- what made me laugh about this is first off, that's such a Harley Quinn thing. Oh, yeah, like if you follow the character comics, television, you know, movies, whatever, that's such the Harley Quinn thing for her to like post a photo of like that and write all that extra title. It's also a Harley Quinn thing to have that be a legitimate title, yeah, but it made me laugh because of. The Batman Superman title, which was yeah. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. and then it also makes me think of when they released the director's cut of Batman vs Superman. It was titled Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Like <laughs> yeah. that's the full title. Like <laughs> so, I I'm I mean DC I guess can do their big titles all they want. I mm-hmm. don't really have a problem with it. I just think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it's pretty great, and it's just. It's kind of interesting because you think Birds of Prey and you don't necessarily toss tar- Harley Quinn in there in there with it. But even from how the title's structured, it seems like it's like, yeah, we're just throwing Harley Quinn in there. And it's well, like, Harley- I'm, not, I'm not saying it as like it's a, uh, like they're just randomly throwing it in. I think it's like a calculated move, but just like the title po- pokes fun at that, so to speak. Yeah, so. the, um, well, Harley Quinn's been attached to this for a long time. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's like she's going to be a part of the team, the Birds of Prey team, or if she's going to be, like, one of the main villains. Yeah. That's still to be, um, I guess, determined or, like, released, and honestly, I don't want to know. So, you know, I want to be surprised. Yeah. So, um, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I think it's hilarious, (laughs) too. But uh, in other DC news, uh, first off... How caught up are you with Teen Titans? I have not watched last Friday's oh, episode. I'm, I'm all caught up. So, okay, so seen, you watched uh, the first Jason Todd episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, I was actually thinking of it because you were talking. I wanted to say something, but then I held it in. But I'll just say it now. You're talking about the spy who, dump, who dumped me having awesome fight scenes. It's just this episode with Jason Todd. Just the fight scenes are just good. amazing. I'm, like, like so really good. excited. Yeah. I just haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, really excited to watch it. My schedule has just been kind of crazy this week and i'm like and i know that i just have to make it through tomorrow because it's thanksgiving yeah which quick tangent i said in an earlier podcast that there's going to be a delay in our release because of um because of the holiday uh apple's got to go on vacation so they can't post yeah our episode will be up on the website it just won't be like it'll be a delay in release for my tunes so Quick tangent, I just wanted to bring that up now. So <laughs> before, enough, yeah. before I forgot about it, this would be the episode if I did my math correctly. Okay. So um, I'm really excited to watch that Jason Todd episode, and I've slowly, I've been becoming more and more of a fan of Jason Todd mm-hmm. in a general sense. More and more of a fan of the Red Hood stuff, and I think that's kind of like where I'm really liking him the most. It's yeah. like the perfect fit for him. But, you know, having him on Titans is great. Yeah. With that being said, can I ask you this, and this, I'm allowed for this to be a spoiler. Did the Batmobile make an appearance on that episode? Yes. Okay. Which brings me to... And you're allowed to spoil this for me, too. So, spoilers if you're watching Titans and you didn't want to know. Is Batman in the episode? No. And there we go. (laughs) I had had seen a post that said Batmobile will make an appearance in the show. 
Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know if it was going to be this episode or later. Whatever. I know the Batmobile's making an appearance. Here we are again, not putting Batman on screen. Yeah. I want to know... I I think my thing is I just want to know what DC's plan is. Do you know what I mean? Like, they changed their mind about the Henry Cavill Superman stuff. They don't know what they're doing. Like, we haven't um, gotten an announcement of who's playing Batman for the Matt Reeves movie. They're skirting around all this Batman stuff. Yeah. I read an article today that for the uh, CW crossover, the Elseworlds thing they're doing this year for the big for all the sh- superhero shows, um, they're going to explain why Batman's not in it. It will be in dialogue, which that's cool. Mm-hmm. At least you're putting it in dialogue for me. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I kind of have an idea of the direction they're going with in the Titans show, but I don't want to say too much, but I don't think that, uh, I don't know that Batman is ever going to appear in the show, but I think they're using Jason Todd and, uh, the presence of Batman without actually including him or showing him in an episode. They're using like his presence and, uh, Jason Todd's to, I think, send, uh, Dick Grayson onto like his ne- next step or like his the Nightwing exactly step. yeah which is which is which is great that's yeah fine. I have a f- I other ha- I have another feeling that because Gotham is clo- coming to a close and they said that you will see Batman before the season's over that they might be locked into allowing Gotham to do it first it might be a contractual thing they're stuck waiting before they do anything else with batman unless it's a big screen movie oh wow okay it was just it was a thought i had i haven't seen it running anywhere there are no there's no (laughs) truth to what i just said yeah so um it's just it's from my own thought process so consider me the um unreliable narrator i guess in that story (laughs) yeah um so I just think that's interesting that we're going to get the Batmobile with no Batman and that kind of thing. So Yeah, it's actually, they show the Batmobile really briefly in the episode, and I kind of want to go back and rewatch it, because I couldn't tell if it was a Batmobile that we've already seen and we know, or if it's a brand new thing. So it's kind of, uh, it sounds weird, like at one angle it looks like it's the Tim Burton Batmobile, and then you see it at another angle in the background and it actually looks like a different one so so there's a I saw an article online with uh, all the concept art for the Titans Batmobile mm-hmm. and some of them were some of them were like like there was one that was clearly designed off of a Lamborghini mm-hmm. there was one that was clearly meant to look like uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold uh, Batmobile there's one that directly looks like the animated series Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like they tried to basically go, what do all these look like? What's okay, the best yeah. way to go? And I don't know what... And I, like I said, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know what design they went with. It um, might be the one close to the animated series, like, thinking back on what I saw on the oh, show. Okay. So, I guess, some for some reason, I just thought they, like... I don't know. <laughs> I kind of assumed that it, they would have had a lower budget, that they wouldn't have actually made a Batmobile. But thinking back on that, I'm like, of course they'd make their own Batmobile for the yeah, show. Yeah, of course thing. they will. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I, there's a there's a really cool panel. Um, it's a giant splash page, and um, in the bat. <coughs> excuse me, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. cough there. Okay, in Batman Hush, uh, the story arc. It's one of my all time favorite. Batman story arcs. There's a cool splash page. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing and Bat helping Batman with some investig- piece of the investigation. Not only does it splash page, but it folds out like extra pages, mm. folds out like it's a big poster, and it's all of the Batmobiles. 
Nice. So, um, like sitting in the bat cave or something, or uh, yes, all <laughs> yeah. like just sitting <laughs> in the bat cave and they're on like this big like conveyor belt like <laughs> okay. like thing. Yeah. Um, so he can use. So he could like choose whichever Batmobile he wants. Yeah. That's if awesome. you've been reading Batman comics, if you like the movies, the comics, the television shows, they're all like it's like almost all of them are represented on the page. It's awesome. It's uh, one of the Jim Lee pieces in the book. Nice. Um, Batmobile has always been like my go-to car. Like if someone were to say, if you were to win the lottery before they get their question out, I'm yeah. already saying Batmobile. So nice. <laughs> um, well, let's move on from the Batmobile because we could be on that forever. Sure. Yeah. Um, but so Lex Luthor is coming to the CW. Mm-hmm. So CW's big superhero epic like thing that they do all the time. Like all the shows are interlaced, and that's one of the things I love. <laughs> They're not the only ones. Like Star Star Trek, um, multiple shows running at the same time, interlaced. There was crossovers. Uh, the show Stargate. I'm a big fan of that franchise. There was three shows. Uh, there were three shows, a couple movies, all of them interlaced with yeah. big crossovers and stuff. I really like it when they do that because it just makes the universe bigger. It mm-hmm. just makes everything feel bigger and more encompassing. So. You know, I'm watching all the CW stuff and, you know, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, whatnot. In Supergirl, they're finally going to put Lex Luthor on the show. Now, before we mention who's actually playing Lex Luthor, if you were to make a guess, who would you... If you would if you would have fan-casted this, who would have you chose? Because I had a... I had, like, the coolest idea. So go ahead. I think everybody would have loved to see Michael Rosenbaum come back. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Did you have any... Did you want to... I had some... Well, I mean, Michael Rosenbaum played uh, Lex Luthor on Smallville, if any of the listeners aren't aren't aware. And uh, he just did a great job, like, knocked it out of the park. And even in the DCEU, like, the movies, people are, you know, have wanted him to come in as Lex Luthor and stuff like that. So, I mean... Now, of course, it's at the tip of everybody's tongue right away. Right. Now, not only that, but Michael Rosenbaum expressed interest in coming back and playing Lex Luthor again before they talked about, before it was kind of public that Lex Luthor was coming to the show, mm-hmm. which means he probably met with Berlanti and his team. When I heard that Michael Rosenbaum expressed interest and they are doing the Elseworlds crossover this year, that's the plan, and they're showing all this stuff because it's going to be like an alternate reality uh crossover yeah and they show the fact that they have so in the 90s there was a flash television series uh with john uh john wesley ship mm-hmm. and he is playing the flash in this and he's yeah. wearing the old 90s costume so he's the flash from the 90s which that's amazing oh yeah um if you want if you pay attention uh in supergirl her mom is played by the actress who played supergirl on the supergirl mm-hmm. television show back in the day and her dad is Dean Kane, who played Superman on the Lois and Clark television show back in the day. And Berlanti and his team have always been really good about encompassing all these old actors in, right? Yeah. So, like, on The Flash, uh-huh. on The Flash when they did The Trickster, on the old Flash show, Mark Hamill played The Trickster. So when they did The Trickster yeah. episodes on The Flash, Mark Hamill mm-hmm. played The Trickster again. Um, so knowing that Michael Rosenbaum wants to wanted to come back I was like oh they're going to cast Michael Rosenbaum because with this alternate reality thing I wonder if Tom Welling is in a common play (laughs) Superman as an alternate reality Superman that would be like mind blowing yeah that is not what they're doing 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I hear. But the uh, the connection, I think, is just as cool. So if uh, not to you know bury the lead, but John Cryer from Two and a Half Men or Ducky from Pretty in Pink, yeah, is gonna be Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on this? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually had a pretty funny exchange about this um, at work because. Uh, one of the guys I work with is also a pretty big uh, Superman fan. And I saw this uh, pop up on, I think it was comicbook.com. I was looking at it and I was like, oh, that's weird. John Cryer is going to be Lex Luthor. And we started talking about it. And uh, we're like, yeah, I don't know if I really see him being Lex Luthor and stuff. So I go to his IMDb page and I'm like, what else has he been, been in? Maybe he's played a really serious or a really sinister role in the past. So I started looking through all his roles and then it's just like, Holy crap! He was in Superman Four. <laughs> yes. He was he was Lex Luthor's uh, nephew in Superman Four, like the punk kid, the goofy character in there, and that yes. was kind and of. That's, and that's where, in all of my thoughts of like why John Cryer, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I did read that he was looking to do something a little bit darker and a little more serious and stuff, and. But then when I remembered that he played Lex Luthor's nephew in <laughs> yeah. Superman Four, I laughed and realized, you know what? I gotta trust you. Ha- you have to trust the casting. <laughs> Anytime we get upset about a casting role, like this kid's playing, like when Andrew Garfield got cast as Spider-Man, we're like, what? And then yeah. we saw the movie, and we're like, yeah, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Or like Ben Affleck as Batman, you're like, what? And then the exactly. talk goes flat. Like, you gotta trust the casting. They casted them for a reason. Just enjoy it for yeah. what it is. But it made me accept the John Cryer thing way more. <laughs> exactly. Because of his already existing DC mm-hmm. connection. Well, me and the guy I was talking to, like, we were kind of baffled by it at first. And then once we realized it, like, just our whole opinion completely changed. We're like, yeah, we're all for this. Right. We need to make this happen. So right. it was awesome. And uh, he um, he says that. You know, he wants to play darker and more seri- a serious role, which is awesome because that's exactly what Lex Luthor is. Yeah. And I was watching Supergirl this week, realizing how cool it's going to be to finally see him on screen. And because uh, I've been waiting for it because I knew before the season started that they're going to bring Lex Luthor in. And I've been yeah. like, and I'm sitting there going, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I know <laughs> it's not going to happen until after the Christmas break. But um, it makes me excited because we've been dealing with his sister on the show for a while and that kind of thing. So. But when you take a comedic actor like John Cryer and you give him a serious role, one of the things I learned in school, um, a lot of people don't know that I went to school for film and theater and stuff like that. So one of the things I learned in school is people who are comedic actors understand a a timing element Mm -hmm. to how dialogue is delivered in a way that dramatic actors don't. Mm -hmm. And because of that, Someone who does comedic first and then goes into drama usually becomes amazing drama actors yeah. because they understand that timing better. Where a person who's hardcore dramatic acting doesn't do comedy as well. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you can go from one to the other, but not backwards. You know. Yeah, I've um, heard it said before too that comedy is actually the hardest thing. For like, I've heard I've got a uh, friend who's actually directed a couple of indie films, and one of them's like this off the wall horror comedy, and that's what he said. He's like, "Yeah, comedy was the hardest thing I've ever done because it's just the timing is everything, and you have to know how to make something that'll speak to people and make them laugh." And it obviously goes with actors too, like to act out a comedy scene you really have to know how to hit those notes you know to actually crack up the yeah audience, you know? I, exactly so that 
thinking about it that way, like I'm excited to see John Cryer as Lex Luthor. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm okay with it and we also have to know that this is gonna be an older Lex Luthor too. So, you know, there's there's that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it's also the opposite of what we got in the DC movies, so maybe some people are excited to see an older True. Lex Luthor. Now, well, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, there's a lot of superhero talk tonight, everybody, because <laughs> our top five list is also lots of superhero talk, so mm-hmm. hope you're ready for it. Um, the uh, What's interesting is Batman vs. Superman was on TN- TBS, TNT, something like that, over the weekend. I've, and I, I didn't see it, but well, yeah, I've, sure. <laughs> I've, well, I've, I've seen the movie a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And you and I were talking last week, not on the show, just kind of in the kitchen before we started recording, about um, things people don't necessarily see sometimes mm-hmm. with that movie. Like, there's stuff that's laid, like, laid behind the scenes or in the script that, you know, people, like... If you don't like the movie, that's fine, but there's stuff that maybe you didn't catch because Zack Snyder put it in. Mm -hmm. It's either a line of dialogue or something. And I reminded myself of something because Jesse Eisenberg got a lot of um, negative comments about his portrayal of Lex Luthor. Yeah. Well, he's not Lex Luthor. Like, that's something that reminded me of that. Like, he's not Lex Luthor. He's Lex Luthor's son. Yeah. And it's in dialogue. He's Alexander Luthor. And when you think back to the comic book portrayal of Alexander Luthor, he is Alexander Luthor. Exactly. On screen. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like he modeled his entire performance. It's <laughs> like he really did his research. Like, oh, I'm the son of Lex Luthor. Well, who's that? And then went and did his research mm-hmm. and then brought that to the screen. That just made me, like... Reminding myself of that was, this is awesome. Yeah. So, everyone who hates, you know, Jesse Eisenberg's performance, like, I thought yeah. he did a really nice job, and it's a different take on the character, which is fine, because it's sometimes what you Yeah, need. and I think the... Uh, it's what a, he's, he's a modern-day millionaire, which is, if you pay attention yeah. to, like, Silicon Valley and all the stuff going on in the tech world, that's exactly what those the, guys uh, are right now. Who's the guy who, in real life, he, like, bought the... Uh, he bought some like the rights to some AIDS medication and then jacked up the price. It's like Brian Screlly or something like that. But yeah. like that guy is so close to like Lex Luthor and Batman v Superman. Like you can argue with me against this, but that's a really relevant ver- version of like a modern sure. day supervillain. Yeah. You know, this like scrawny younger rich guy who everybody hates. Like that's super relevant. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? so, so instead of making him look like. The powerful businessman he was, they made him look like the, you know, Silicon Valley millionaire exactly, that we yeah. know today, which is more of your modern billionaire type anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I thought it worked. I thought it was cool. Um, so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on from Lex Luthor. Um, are you uh, good to do the list? Yeah. Yeah. We can, awesome. we can go for it. Um, all right. Well, it's list time, so roll the thing. <coughs> Okay, this is your list. Um, so you want to lead us in? Yeah, that? yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I basically wanted to do top five favorite superhero teams because uh, it was honestly with the passing of Stan Lee, I thought it'd be cool to do another comic book one, and maybe some of his uh, creations will come up in conversation, but also just. I don't know. It's fun to talk about superheroes. and It's yeah. always fun yeah. to talk about superheroes. I know we talk about superheroes a lot, but 
comic books are right now in front of everybody and they're all over the place and Bill Maher actually I don't know if you saw this but oh, yeah. he made a comment about um I don't even want to quote him but mm-hmm. it really angered me it was it's almost like it's like when people take a shot at something that you like you take it really personally mm-hmm. and I'm not talking like on a political level I'm talking like they make like I'm into comic books so they make fun of comic books and I take personal offense to that yeah um and that that stuff really bugs me. And Bill Maher made a comment this past week about too many comic books that this world is too obsessed with comic books or something like that. And I'm like, no, dude, comic books are fun. It doesn't matter. It's it's mm-hmm. all fun and games. It's not. We know this real stuff going on in the world. We're not that closed off. It's just this is fun. We like talking about it. So mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I found this. Li- I know I get to go first. So yeah, I found sure. this list kind of difficult. Um, because I don't know about you. Actually, I kind of do. So every, like, I'm a big Batman fan. You're a big Superman fan. So for me to make this statement, I'm like, I kind of know where you go, but I kind of gravitate towards the, what I refer to as street level characters. Yeah. When I read comics. Um, so like Batman's a street level character because he doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. But he's still considered a superhero and, um the people that kind of go along with that, you know? So when I was putting my team to like team, my list together, <laughs> I was thinking about, I was, you know, Superman is not a street level character. No. Yeah. You know, lots of powers and stuff. So it, it was kind of interesting when I was putting this together and even characters who have like one, a power like Magneto controls metal. Yeah. You know, that's still considered street level in my book because it's one power. It's not okay. multiples. You know what I mean? So you kind of got to – I'm one power I think is fine when I like start reading stuff. But when you start adding on like <laughs> giant like leaps and bounds of powers, yeah, that's where like I start to – I'll still read it. But I'm still like, man, I kind of want to go back to these guys, these smaller guys over here. That's just how I am. Yeah. I think it's also just how I, – I agree to an extent. I think like – if you look at Superman's list of powers, there still is a limit to them where you can name each power and what they can do. But then certain characters, like you get into uh, Silver Surfer or like Dr. Manhattan or something like that, and it's actually a lot harder to maybe explain what all their powers are and what each one can do just because of how powerful these characters are. Okay. But then in the case of Dr. Manhattan, you know, he's actually used as a device for the story's end that has, like, really interesting implications. So I think the non-street-level characters, it's cool to kind of see how they're used, you know? Like, maybe it's this all-powerful being, but they're used in a different way. Right. Um, well, so, yeah. you, when you said, stat, like, the list of Superman's powers, yeah, you made me think of this, So, and I saved this on my phone because I knew I was going to show this to you at some point. Uh, it's this, there's an Instagram feed I really like to follow called DC Facts. So they show a okay. picture, and then they have, like, a fact, yeah. right? So this one I saved because I wanted to show it to you. It says Superman Prime is the god form of Superman that stayed in the sun for 15,000 years. His powers and abilities aren't even describable. <laughs> yeah. And he has been said to be the most powerful being in DC history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, I think that's like I don't know what actual like story that's from, but I have heard about Superman Prime, and from what I understand, that's like what Superman could be like at his full potential. But like the day to day life of Clark Kent, when you read that in the comics, you're not gonna see him get there. But then it's right. always 
when people talk about who would win Batman as Superman or, you know, this character as Superman, people like to pull that out of their back pocket. Like, well, actually, Superman Prime can literally <laughs> right. do anything he wants. But right. yeah. um, Well, anyway, let's go with I'll go with my first honorable mention. Sounds good. Um, this is I feel this is kind of a cheat and it's the only reason it makes an honorable mention. Okay, because none of the characters on this list have superpowers. Okay. Okay, and that is Danger Girl. Okay, cool. That's the only reason they're making an honorable mention, because otherwise they probably would have made the list. Right. So if you're unfamiliar with the Danger Girl team, uh, Danger Girl is it's a comic book that uh, was created by Andy Hartnell and J. Scott Campbell. Um, I was a I pulled it off the shelf on a whim. It's an indie comic. I started reading it and was just immediately like in love with it. Um, it's basically it's basically Charlie's Angels in a sense, mm-hmm. um, and it's really it's really fun. Lots of explosions, lots of excitement. The action almost never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny. So and the artwork is absolutely astounding. But none of the characters are superheroes. It's basically like a gr- group of girl spies, and they all have, like, yeah. each one. Like, the the Abby Chase, the main one, happens to also be an archaeologist, and, like, the other person happens. Like, yeah. they all happen to have some kind of unique skill that adds to the team. And N- Nice. I yeah, I mean, if- I, I mean, that's a really cool honorable mention. I think it's, it's hard to say, like, is it a superhero team or not? Because when you think about what defines a superhero, it's like... It can't just be powers because I think Batman is without a doubt a superhero. And then is it is it the costume? Like what does it? You know. Right. And it's like if it's the costume, somebody like the Punisher like barely fits the mold. You know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's like it's really interesting. But I do think that's a really awesome pick. So yeah, it's just funny and violent. And yeah, it's just it's just a good. <laughs> I just had a lot of fun reading it. Right. And, you know, I've read a few extra, like, you know, I haven't, it's not one that I dive into, like, Batman, where I have to read everything. It's one mm-hmm. where I'm like, if I'm looking for a good laugh and I want some excitement, I'll just see what's happening in the world of Danger Girl, so. Nice. That's anyway. awesome. Uh, that's actually really funny that you picked that as the first pick. Because um, it's yours? We matched? <laughs> no, it's not a match, but it's close because, uh, okay, so Danger Girl was published by Wildstorm Comics, which was a branch of Image Comics, but it was actually published under a, under a branch of Wildstorm, if that makes sense, which was Cliffhanger Comics. Yeah. You follow me? Okay. So Cliffhanger Comics was like late 90s, early 2000s, like a really big movement. And it had uh, Danger Girl, which was J. Scott Campbell, as you said. And then it also had uh, Umberto Ramos, and I can't remember the book that he did, but then the other book that was under Cliffhanger Comics was Battle Chasers, which was Joe Matarera's project. Which is actually my first honorable oh, mention. Right. So, <laughs> so I don't have you read Battle Chasers no. at all? Okay. So this one was a weird pick, and I don't know if it counts necessarily, but it's a uh, it's a fantasy comic essentially, like okay. it's a Dungeons like and Dragons okay, yeah. like medieval fantasy comic. So it's weird to pick for a superhero team, but the main team in this comic is definitely like it all plays out like a superhero story. Like you've got your big Hulk style guy, you've got your, uh, 
the Hulk style guy is actually like a sentient sentient so, golem essentially. I'm gonna let um, you continue, but we're both cheating for an honorable mention. That's exactly. why they made honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah, okay. for sure. Um, but you have the, your big Hulk st- style guy who's like a sentient uh, golem character, and then you've got your wizard, and he kind of you know is casting spells. And then you've got another character who's, like, just the best swordsman ever. And the other member of the team is actually, like, a little girl, but she has magical gloves that when she wears them, they make her, like, stronger than anything. And uh, it's just a really cool team dynamic. And as I said, it really plays out like you're reading a superhero comic when you read this one. So that's kind of why it made my pick. It's also uh, Joe Matarera is, like, one of my favorite comic book artists, and this is, like just him doing like all the things he does well like just really awesome bombastic uh medieval style artwork so nice all right yeah. well i'm gonna have to check that out because you got my attention like right away with it <laughs> oh so for sure I'm okay nice. to, i'm gonna have to go look that up <laughs> um all right so this comes to mind uh this one's an actual superhero team okay yeah um, nice <laughs> so my next honorable mention is the outsiders okay cool um i will warn you uh, my list, I feel, is a little DC heavy, but actually maybe not as a whole. So, um, yeah, The Outsiders. Um, the Outsiders is its a team that was created by Batman as if he... Okay, so in a sense, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are like the leaders of the Justice League, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Batman basically on his own said, what if I didn't have to deal with Superman and Wonder Woman as leaders <laughs> and I just led my own team mm-hmm. and put together a team of superheroes where Batman's in charge? <laughs> nice. He's not in the book. He's kind of in the book as like a second, like a supporting character. So all these other characters, so you have like Katana and Morph and Geoforce and like these other characters. And Batman built the team based on skill set. Yeah. Well, almost... Almost like the um, the Billy Bean Moneyball Red uh, Oakland A's team uh, from okay, the movie yeah. Moneyball, like he used statistics to build the team. Like mm-hmm. Batman put the team together using statistics. Okay, nice. Um, so I just thought it's a it's a really cool book in terms of uniqueness because he built the team with the uh, intention in mind. Okay, as nice. opposed to just get all the heavy hitters on one team and go fight the bad exactly, guys. Exactly. Like yeah. He built it in a strategic way, and that's a really cool thing to think of because we all have those uh, conversations and thoughts in our head where we're like, oh, think of this perfect team for you know this is my perfect zombie apocalypse survival team or whatever it is this is batman literally doing that and knowing how strategic and intelligent right. the character is it's just a, right. like so a yeah he's he's a he was always a supporting character with them especially in the old ones like in the 70s and stuff like that but um you know but he put the team together and he controls it and you know nice so yeah the outsiders so sweet uh, my next honorable mention is uh, one that I actually talked about a lot on our Giant Robots episode, and that's the Power Rangers. So this is oh. my, I think this is my only pick that comes from uh, TV or kids sort of Saturday morning programming. But uh, this one is just, I always just really liked the concept of, you know, five teenagers get, you know, enhanced abilities, you know, and they go and fight monsters and then... As the monsters grow giant, they get a giant robot to fight them too. Like I just love the concept of it, so it's kind of right what on. makes my list. So, all right, so now <laughs> we're onto the actual five. Yep. Okay. So my first pick. I'm trying to decide which one I want to talk about first. <laughs> um, all right. So my first pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Incredibles. 
Oh, okay, nice. Okay, did we match? No, on this but one? I no. I didn't expect that one. So <laughs> oh. yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know, The Incredibles from the Pixar film, they were. It was clear that Disney was trying to make like a Fantastic Four superhero team. Yeah, and using and everyone knows that the Fantastic Four is the first family of comics. Yeah. Like, in first family of superheroes, I guess you could say. Um, using that family dynamic, Disney created The Incredibles. The, the Incredibles, aside from the movie, the first movie being, like, as I saw the second one finally, I really liked it a lot. Um, and it, it, I can't tell you which one I like better, but that first Incredibles movie... It made me think to myself, why are the why is the Fantastic Four not this? Hmm. In terms of the movies. Like in terms of comics, the Fantastic Four has always been what it is. But like the Fantastic Movies, Fantastic Four movies have never been well received. And they just handled the idea of the that family dynamic so well that every time I think superheroes, the Incredibles is always there in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like it's always right there. Yes, it's not the mainstream stuff that I'm usually reading from DC and Marvel, but it is still like they're top tier superheroes in yeah. my book, and I had to I had to include them. I had they had to make my list at somehow. So nice. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add on. No, that, that's but. I mean that's a great pick. They're definitely great movies, and um, I, like as you've said, and I've heard a lot of people say like. The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, it is. Fantastic Four, you know. So yeah, I definitely think it's an awesome choice. So okay, cool. Okay, so on to my next pick, and I'm trying to figure out which one to go with first, but I'm gonna go with uh, the Suicide Squad actually. So we talked about this one a little bit last week. I um, had a real, I had, a, I had a tough time not putting this one on my list. Yeah, but go ahead. Um, we. Because I really wanted to, but yeah. go ahead. Uh, we we kind of decided last week that Suicide Squad would be allowed because although they're villains, they're being forced to do good things. Right. And um, that's I just kind of really like that sort of uh, dynamic, but also just like... Like, you watch the Suicide Squad movie, and Amanda Waller is actually, like, the villain of that movie in a way, where she's forcing all of the main characters to do these things that they don't want to, with no sort of reward even allowed for them right. at the end. And just that sort of, like, yeah, they're villains, but just that sort of dynamic where they're down on their luck, and they're being forced to do these things, but there actually are heroic things. Like, I always just loved that sort of... Uh, concept and then also like the suicide squad um whether it's in the movies or the comics like the character a lot of the characters in them are really fun like harley quinn is one of the most popular characters now and for good reason and then i love well, the harley comics, quinn like, i mean was one of the most popular characters before that movie exactly and it's just exploded even more than it has so mm -hmm. and then like uh like in the movie they had a uh, killer crack but in the comics they had actually uh king shark filling that role and i right. was like king shark because he's just like this big ridiculous like street shark looking did you character. see did you see the animated film batman assault I, I haven't seen this one yet i need to watch you it, do but... because you're gonna go why wasn't that the suicide squad <laughs> that's a, that sounds awesome <laughs> so, i think it's on the dc universe app, so i'm gonna it check is, it out it is absolutely amazing and i i just wish that was what they were doing. Awesome. So. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is uh, after seeing the movie, not necessarily like, I don't think I had read enough with him in it, but after seeing the movie, like, I think El Diablo is like one of the coolest characters in the Suicide Squad. And I kind of like 
formed a pretty oh. big appreciation for him after seeing the movie. I didn't like. I didn't really care for El Diablo at all mm-hmm. until that movie. Yeah, like reading him in the comics, like whatever. And then when I saw the movie, I'm like, this, like he's. He's definitely one of the coolest yeah. characters. And they, uh, I guess it's slightly ambiguous, but I feel like they kind of killed him off in the movie, which really, you know, it kind of sucks. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Supposedly, <laughs> supposedly, I've seen a shot, like, behind, behind the scenes shots of uh, the final scene of the movie, and I guess El Diablo is originally with all the rest of the members, so I always thought that was kind of cool that there at least is a cut somewhere right. where he's in this shot, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him come back because he was just so cool. So Sure. Um, so, all right, well, that leads me to the next one. Yeah, Suicide Squad. I, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my next one. Um, I'm going to go with The Avengers. Okay, nice. Let's talk about this now. Now, I'm going to be very clear that me liking The Avengers is Avengers from the movie. Okay. Not Avengers from the comic books. <coughs> Interesting. Um, I say that because in the comics, the Avengers went through so many iterations of what the team was. You know, the, the Avengers in the movie are what they are, right? Well, that's kind of like the core team to a point. Yeah. But they changed people so many times. Like, sometimes Moon Knight was in it. Sometimes Wolverine was in mm-hmm. it. Sometimes Spider-Man was in it. Sometimes Ms. Marvel was. And sometimes <laughs> she wasn't. And, like, they changed the team dynamics so many times Captain America and Iron Man were always a part of it. Mm. And Thor, sure. But, like, they kept changing the team. So, because... And the Avengers comics, as a whole, in the past, have been very convoluted in terms of... I've, I've never, like, enjoyed reading the Avengers comics <laughs> yeah. as a whole. Like, there's some stuff I do, and then there's, like... Sometimes I'm like, what am I reading and why? I don't, like... <laughs> um, but what Marvel's doing with the Avengers on screen is just um, I, I everyone praises these things and there's almost no more words left to explain yeah. how amazing it is but it's just handled so well and you want to and you want to go hang out with those guys yeah. like at the end of Avengers 1 you want to go shawarma with them <laughs> yeah. you know I see what you mean like cause Marvel the movies have kind of it sounds like in the comics you never had an appreciation for the Avengers but the movies does such a good job of uh kind of creating this really cohesive and uh, character-based portrayal of this team that really makes you, like, you know, really appreciate them and, you know, want to go hang out with them, as you say. Um, I guess I can mention, like, this was actually the next team on my list as well. Oh, nice. So we we matched matched Avengers. Cool. Um, And actually... So originally, the spot that this team was on was... They almost uh, didn't make my list because of my comic comment I just made. Yeah. Well, this you know. it's the same with me, because uh, originally this spot on my list was going to be the X-Men, actually. And uh, I think about the X-Men, and I really like... Like, Wolverine is one of my top... Let me ask, let me ask okay. you this question. So we've amassed Avengers. <laughs> Are you going on an X-Men tangent, or is that on your list? Uh, tangent. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> Wolverine's one of my top three. I don't three. mind skipping and, you know, going a little back and forth, but go ahead. <laughs> Wolverine's, like, one of my top three Marvel characters, and so I was like, oh, I got to put the X-Men on there, and I always liked uh, kind of the dynamic between the Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey, whole, like, love triangle thing, and that I always thought was really fun and interesting. Um, but then I started thinking, and I was like, well, who are my other favorite Marvel characters? And my other, like... Marvel characters in the top three, I think, are Spider-Man and the Hulk. 
And I realized like there's lineups of the Avengers that had all three of these characters on it. So and like, there's lineups of the of the Avengers where none of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think because of that, I just like started leaning towards the Avengers, and then I started thinking about the movies and stuff, and I was just like, yeah, I gotta go with this team. So. Yeah. Basically, I, and that's basically what I did. I was like, well, whether I like or dislike, whether I like or dislike some of the things that happen in the comic books, these movies are astounding. Exactly. And I always want another one, mm-hmm. you know, and I cannot wait for this massive Avengers movie <laughs> that's about to hit, like, in May. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, you finished Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, uh, I'll talk about my next one, uh, X-Men. Nice. Uh, so X-Men made my <laughs> list. Um so X-Men, for me, um, that goes to me liking all the stuff from the comic books. Yeah. The stuff from the animated television series in the 90s and the stuff in the movies. <laughs> I guess that's a really good point. I've, almost, I've, always, I've kind of always been an X-Men fan. Um, I don't know if I would associate myself with the X-Men or the Brotherhood of Mutants because... The X Men were kind of the good guys, and the Brotherhood of the Mutants were the bad guys. But when you think, when you argue the uh, who's right and who's wrong side of that story, I kind of want to go hang out with Magneto. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, like I, it's, when you look at that battle between him and Charles, it's almost like Magneto is correct, and you know the X Men were wrong the whole time. But as a team, a lot of my favorite Marvel characters are X Men. Yeah. Um, so like like you, Wolverine, like hits. Uh, right up there for me, top like definitely. If you were to say top five Marvel characters, Marvel heroes or, or X Men or whatever, Wolverine's up there. Yeah, you know. So, um, but yeah, the X Men they've always been up there for me, and I've always liked them. And I the movies, the X Men movies. I don't know if I can say they're nearly as good as what's going on on the Avengers front, but the um, but I do think they're at least. They're all good movies. I think um, at their best, they're like right up there with being like MCU tier, almost there at least. And at their worst, they're not necessarily that high. But I do know what you mean. Like they, they do. There has been like some really solid X Men movies in the past. And like I said, like this team almost made my list as well. So it just barely right. didn't. So yeah. Okay. Well, what is your next pick? So my next pick is the Teen Titans. So alrighty, we've and been this. I had a big battle with myself to put this one on my list as well. So go ahead. Um, yeah. So I mean, we've been talking a lot about the Teen Tit or the new Titans TV show, which uh, I've really been enjoying. But uh, I think my favorite iteration of Teen Titans has actually been the uh, the animated series. Now, not uh, Teen Titans Go, go. but the original. The one original where it was Teen more, Titans, which eventually would go into Young Justice and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think. Uh, it was still like had it was still like comedy based, but still I guess a little bit more action heavy in those episodes well, and stuff. Well, even like though that. they even though they played the comedy in that original series, they were still very understanding that they had to be serious. Yeah. So exactly. Um, and then I just really liked. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, makes that show for me and this team for me a lot too is just that portrayal of. Uh, Beast Boy and Cyborg, which is kind of carried over into Teen Titans Go, where they're kind of just like really goofy and sometimes they bicker back and forth, but it's kind of in this really fun, like jovial way. I really appreciate that. And I still like, I like 
the portrayal of Cyborg on the Justice League movie and some of the newer comic versions. But that's really my favorite version of Cyborg, where he's just kind of like a lot goofier and stuff like that on that show. So, I mean, I don't know if you have any specific Teen Titans thoughts at all or um, Teen Titans. I they I really like one of my favorite iterations of Teen Titans is I gather my thoughts real quick um, is when Jeff Johns kind of retooled the team. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, obviously it was Robin, Starfire, Cyborg, Superboy, Wonder Girl, Raven, Beast Boy, like they like that team that uh, Jeff Johns put together um, is probably my favorite iteration of the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved reading through it. So um, I hope I'm not I'm not. I hope I'm not deteriorating your next pick, but I'm going to bring up the Ninja Turtles for a second. Yeah. I was a big fan of the Ninja Turtles when I was younger. Okay. I grew up, <laughs> but the Ninja Turtles didn't. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Does that make yeah. sense? So, like, I matured as an adult and grew up, but I can't, but it's hard to go back to the Ninja Turtles at all for me. Okay. Because they never got out of being teenagers. Right. So they never matured. They never advanced. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go, Spider-Man gets bitten by the bug, by, by the spider, and turns into Spider-Man, and then eventually, as you read through the comics, he grows up and gets married to Mary Jane and has an adult life. Yeah. So I could technically follow with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or Robin becomes Robin, and then he grows up and becomes Nightwing and joins the Teen Titans and becomes an adult in his own life and I can grow with that. But the Ninja Turtles never did anything. So no matter how you iteration of the Teen Titans, one of the things that always bugged me about the Teen Titans is I'm reading about teenagers. Yeah. So I think they're great. I've always yeah. loved the Teen Titans. I've always read I've always read them. They're actually a book that I will always read because of their connections to other things that are happening within the DCU. But to me, they always have that younger kid vibe. Yeah. And I know that's the case because these are the younger members of the superheroes. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming with that. Um, for me, I think it's kind of just this weird uh, appreciation that I have um, on the other side of the whole thing where, like, yeah, these are teenage characters, but when I read, like, a Teen Titans comic, I can kind of go back into that teenage state of mind and maybe just kind of, like, forget about, like, all the and worries I, and everything I, of adult I, I life. Try and, you know I, I try mean? and do that all the time, yeah. and then I feel like when I'm reading Teen Titans, I'm Batman shaking my <laughs> head. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that goes with any, like, media that's focused at, like, uh, just a younger audience. Like, you can appreciate certain things, but then there's always parts where you're just, like, cringing or shaking your head. Right, and I'm never, I'm never cringing you know? with the Teen Titans. I'm always just, I always feel like I'm the guy sitting in the corner going, ugh, kids, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, oh, one other thing I want However, to... the show, like the DC, like the show Titans on the DC Universe app is so not kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, yeah. it's so adult that, you know, mm-hmm, so that's sure. the other side of the coin of the Titans, but, yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is uh, you mentioned the character Raven when you were talking about which version of the Titans you preferred, and I actually really like that Raven is a part of this team because a lot of, I think it's, like, a big go-to to deal with, like, Raven and her daddy issues, so to speak, but, like, right. Raven's father, Trigon, is, like, this super powerful demon from another dimension, and, like, it's really cool how Teen Titans stories 
often lead to like apocalyptic or near apocalyptic <laughs> yeah, events. I know. And I always really appreciated that aspect of them too. Right. So, um, all right. So Teen Titans, uh, that brings me to my next one. And this one, I, it made my list because I, and I really had to battle with the fact that it's on my list, but, uh, the Green Lantern Corps. Okay. Nice. Um, made my short list for sure. Right. At the end of the day, um, cause I, I really, I really started thinking about it. I look, if I could be Batman, I'd be Batman. That'd be awesome. Like I want the car. I want the gadgets. I want the suit. It's just cool. It's yeah. like the image, all that stuff. It's just amazing. And then throw in the vow, uh, you know, that Batman's going to, he's going to protect you because what happened to him will never happen to anyone again. That's, that's the big thing for me as to why I like Batman so much. Mm -hmm. Right. But I thought about it. I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to be Batman so much as I want Batman to like just train me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> or I just want to hang out. Yeah. Um, if I, if someone were to say, hey, you could be any character in the DC universe, or you could have any superpower from the DC universe, what would you want to be? I kind of would want to be a Green Lantern, I think. Okay. And I thought, I, I was really kind of thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? I want the ring that does whatever I want it to do, and <laughs> I can go into space, and like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. But it made me think about the Green Lanterns, and that's another series I always I always like reading. And they um, they're basically like a space police, mm -hmm. you know. So you know, Green Lantern flies around the sector twenty eight fourteen, protecting Earth from all the crazy stuff in outer space. And every now and then, he can you know come down to Earth and help out the Justice League or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. Um, I did find it funny uh, in the, in terms of a DC fact, Green Lanterns protect space they are not allowed to come to gotham city without batman's permission oh really i thought that was interesting they're That's not allowed to do anything within gotham city limits unless they get batman's permission to come in first <laughs> that's really funny um so uh but yeah so green lantern core is my next pick i don't know if you have anything to say about that or you know if you have any green lantern insights but you know i just did i feel like i forgot it <laughs> but i i really right. like uh the green lanterns too i think uh they're super fun and just like I appreciate how Green Lanterns kind of like are this whole they're kind of this whole like separated universe within the DC universe where you yeah. can just like really delve deep into Green Lantern you can. lore I mean, and stuff crazy like that. Green Lantern mm -hmm. lore and mythology and then something huge will happen like Blackest Night and then encompasses everybody. Yeah. You know, Blackest Night's probably probably my favorite Green Lantern story arc as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um Aside from like the rebirth stuff that happened, not not DC rebirth, but like Green Lantern rebirth. Nice. Um, that's kind of a that's one of those magic words that DC uses every now and then because um, <laughs> they did like Flash rebirth and stuff like that. But. Yeah, and then I also actually remembered what I was gonna say before. Uh, I like how uh, to be a Green Lantern, you have to show no fear. Like you have to have no fear and just be like super brave. So it's kind of cool and, that and sorry, go ahead. Well, it's kind of cool that at the core of the story, it's just about not you know it's just about like how much uh bravery can you muster like how little fear can you feel but then i also just appreciate that a green lantern with its with their ring as you said can create any sort of construct they want so it's just really the limits of your imagination for how are you going to fight how are you going to save these people how are you going to solve the situation it all is just dependent on how imaginative you can be, and I always right. really like that aspect. Well, when you too. mentioned the bravery, green, green, the Green Lanterns, their power is the power of will. 
Mm-hmm. So willpower is technically the Green exactly, Lantern's yeah. power. Um, and it comes down to his strength of will. And um, that's my just like bad um, wording of it. But yeah, No, no, it's fine. I just, yeah. I wanted, I was only clarifying because uh, if you don't know about the Green Lanterns, there's multiple colors. So there's yellow, there's orange, there's red, there's yeah. pink, there's purple, there's blue. Um, every color has a specific emotion attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Guardians... Uh, who created the lanterns to be to originally? Uh, they to them green is the most powerful um, of the spectrum because willpower is the strongest emotional um, right um, emotion. So mm-hmm. nice, yeah. Okay, sweet. Anyway. So that would lead to my next pick, which uh, you actually kind of predicted because it is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so. Um, I guess, okay, so with the Ninja Turtles, um, I do understand what you're saying with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are always teenagers, and they never grow up to an extent. Um, Well, that's why, that's basically why I eventually fell away from them. Right. Um, I think, so I'll watch the old Ninja Turtles movies, and uh, I kind of view them the same way I view the movie Labyrinth, which you heard us talk about on our 1986 movies episode, and... uh, these movies, like the Ninja Turtles movies, before the Turtles were CGI, I just see so much craft and so much, like, effort and stuff and puppetry put into these movies that, like, I really appreciate them on, like, a craft level. Like, besides just the story, like, there's a whole new level of how I appreciate them. But then, also, when you go back to the very original Ninja Turtles comics, um, they actually were a little bit more dark, and they were very violent and stuff like that and i always uh i always thought of that as like the most adult i guess version of the ninja turtles um and then if you go into if you delve into like uh kind of just fan films and stuff that people have made around ninja turtles there's actually a lot of adult versions of them oh, out there you know there's so. definitely some really cool mm-hmm. versions of the ninja turtles and if you go back deep enough um what some people forget to remember is that uh, the chemicals, this goes back to Daredevil. Yeah. So the chemicals that gave Daredevil his superpowers are the same chemicals that created the Ninja Turtles. So the Ninja Turtles, for the longest time, were a part of Daredevil and then kind of became their own thing later yeah. and separated. Uh, so, and I don't know if the Ninja Turtles were actually under the Marvel banner or not. No, it was, uh, it was always uh, just independent. Like, it was always just kind of like a weird fan connection but it's kind of just been accepted by like comic right. fandom just, that's how it nowadays, was yeah so. so um and those original ninja turtle comics were really violent mm-hmm. uh really bloody uh they were all black and white except for certain aspects of color here and there and yeah you know they the original ninja turtle stuff is fantastic mm-hmm. and it lends to some of the things we see nowadays but again it's so geared towards kids now yeah that they never grew with me. <laughs> yeah, that's so. fair enough. And I think that's like when I was young, I was into the uh, '80s Ninja Turtles cartoon and the old Ninja Turtles movies. And uh, now that I, after I grew older, I actually kind of discovered the old comics and stuff. So that kind of is what reawakened my like passion for the Ninja Turtles. But I mean, talking about those old Ninja Turtles comics, like I find kind of like 
the story behind the scenes of like how the Ninja Turtles came to be just really inspiring. Like it's these two guys, uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who just got together because they loved comics and they both just worked on this comic together and they uh, created this very weird, unique thing at the time. Like it was just it's a Ninja Turtles is a weird thing to begin with, but they just created it. And then they like used all their savings to print like black and white comics of it and bring it to a convention. And it kind of, from what I've heard, it just kind of took this convention by storm when they brought it there, where it was just like the most unusual thing there. And it was just right. one of those, like everybody there has to get a copy of this thing. Cause like, can you believe this thing happened? But then from there, like that book kind of inspired, like, hundreds of other guys in the eighties to just make their own black and white indie comics and inspired like all these other people. And then eventually these creators had the chance to, um, you know, sell their creation to, I don't know if it was Mattel or who they sold it to back in the day, right. but you know, now they're like millionaires or something probably. Right. And it's kind of just a really inspiring story. But other than that, just, I have always really enjoyed the aesthetic of the Ninja Turtles. Like I like, how the turtles look. I like a lot of the creator or the creatures they created out of it and all the different mutants and all that. So yeah. Right. Well, uh, let's move on to my last pick, which I have a feeling because it hasn't come up at all. <laughs> yeah. You and I matched this last thing. <laughs> Pro probably. About. We yeah. both were saving it on purpose, but, uh, my last pick is the justice league. Yep. Yeah. Same okay. here. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Um, this comes back to my saying about the Avengers and X-Men in terms of comic books and, you know, movies and television and so on. The Justice League is something that I have always liked every iteration of every time it's there. Whether it's comic books, whether it's video games, whether it's movies, whether it's animation, whatever. I've Every iteration I've always liked. Even the weird ones when... Because at one point, like, there was a point where Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman were not on the yeah. Justice League. It was this other team with, mm -hmm. you know, Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, and Ice and Fire, and, <laughs> yeah. you know... Read uh, the death of Superman again, and you'll see all these. Oh, weird you'll see all the other weird characters. Yeah. And like that's not the Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who are these bozos? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so I've, and you you know Batman's on the Justice League. You know what I mean? And that's that's my thing. Batman's always up there for me. So yeah. Um, go ahead, talk Justice League. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's just one of those things where it's. So Justice League, like, uh, from what I understand, it's just, like, all these, like, really original, popular superheroes from, like, the early 40s, essentially, they, like, brought together in a team book. So it's, like, a lot of the, just really the oldest superheroes just kind of brought together, and it's just this really iconic team. Like, it's, like, all these heroes that you show a picture of Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, but even, like, the Flash or Green Lantern to, like people in like all over the world like will recognize these characters like just super iconic and it's just kind of telling the stories with these characters i just find really interesting and it's almost like uh i mean it's this phrase has been used time and time again but it is like my like you can call comic books modern mythology and i think justice league is like the strongest case for that where it's like you're almost like talking about like these Mytho mythological icons or right. know, gods now, when you're telling stories I'm, with them. I'm glad you said it that way because mm -hmm. one of my favorite comparisons to comic books in general 
whether you're talking the movies or the comic books or whatever, comic books in general are current modern mythology. Mm-hmm. When you think of how the Greeks and Romans had their gods like Zeus and you know Hades and Hercules and all them, those were their gods. These are ours. This <laughs> is our mythology today. And I heard a really cool comparison a while back about how Marvel has superheroes. Period. Mm-hmm. But DC has gods in the terms of the Avengers are superheroes, without question. Of course, the Justice League is superheroes, but the characters that they have on Justice League are so godlike in their iconography. Mm-hmm. And it could be because they've been around for so long. Batman's about to turn 80 in terms of, like, Batman's been around for 80 years uh, yeah. in March. So, you know, you gotta, it's kind of interesting to, like, think about it that way. Um, and that's, you know, maybe that's why the DC movies haven't been well-received. Maybe it's because people are holding them on this high pedestal of standards. Yeah. And that's why they're not, you know, as received as they maybe could be. Yeah. I that, don't know. Maybe it's bad timing because Marvel got there first in terms of that format of storytelling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting thing. Like, are these characters, because they've been around so long and they're so... They're so recognizable and everybody has this idea in their head of what each character should be. Is that why, you know, everybody just can't, like... Not everybody, but a lot of people can't accept necessarily what one director or another director or writer or whatever wants to do with them, you know, when it's actually on the big screen, so... Um, One of my favorite... Like, it seemed... The most popular iteration of the Justice League is uh, when Grant Morrison took the... Over the Justice League in the 90s. Um... I don't know if you have any uh, specific favorites from that era. Um, one that comes to mind directly is the Rock of Ages story arc. Uh, Kevin Smith has brought that up on a couple of his podcasts here and there, but that's probably one of the absolutely hands down the best mm-hmm. um, stories um, yeah. in terms of Justice League story arc stuff. So, um, I mean, like for me, I think uh, I think my go to is like kind of I guess it's because the version I grew up with would just be the uh, Bruce Tim like animated universe where I kind of was like introduced to Batman and Superman and then like a lot of these characters like that version of the Justice League I always really glommed onto is like one of my favorites um and then just I think Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and stuff had a really good way of like kind of showing off like kind of uh just all the quintessential attributes of all these characters in a way that they should be portrayed so I always like preferred that one but then I also really like the uh, New 52 version of the Justice League, too. Like, I, uh, in the New 52 comics in DC, I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't necessarily like the New 52 as a whole in a lot of ways, but I think the Justice Justice League books books were just really well done. I feel like Justice League and Batman were the two, like, shining gems of the New 52 era. Like, Batman, I mean, all the Batman stuff in the New 52, was every piece of it was great, Mm -hmm. which which I found really interesting that it got, not only did it get the praise, but I agreed with all the praise. And (laughs) the Justice League, it was always like, I found myself consistently reading Justice League from the New 52. It was just every issue was so solid. Mm -hmm. For sure, yeah. I mean, they had, uh, I think it was, was it Jeff Johns writing that? And then... Jim Lee was doing the art for, for Justice League. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Johns wrote the majority of it. Yeah, okay. uh, Jim Lee eventually stopped doing the art yeah. because, you know, artists get 
artists and comic books have lots of projects that get thrown on them here and there. So sometimes they're on a book for a few issues and then they stop and then they come back and you yeah. know. So so I mean that was kind of. Uh, for me, that was just, I thought that was just like a really you, good way to kick it off. Now, in terms of New 52 uh, Justice League, did you read Dark Side War at the end of the New 52? No, I actually right? didn't get, I kind of fell off of the whole uh, thing by that's then, a, That's a two-parter. You could probably just jump right in and read Dark Side War Part 1 okay, Part nice. 2. But that's technically, if you see, if you understand the overarching stuff that's going on in DC Comics at the time, that's like the end of the New 52. Well, it kind of seems like awesome. uh, it might be a really good bookend because uh, Dark Dark Side was kind of the villain, the big Justice League villain, like for the first story arc. You know, right. So. Well, it's it's amazing. Yeah. So you should. I highly recommend checking it. Out. <laughs> nice. Um, I guess unless you have something else to say about Justice League, that kind of brings us to the end. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good. We'll probably talk about the Justice gonna, League a lot. We're gonna going to be talking superheroes <laughs> now yeah. as we like continue these lists. Um, so next week's my pick, um, and I was thinking about, um, there's been a lot of sports talk going on lately because we have, you know, we live in, in the Chicagoland area and the Bears are doing really, really well and, um, I, and, you know, Joe, uh, the coach of the Blackhawks got fired and, you know, just, there's been a lot of, I feel like there's been a lot of sports talk going on in the yeah. circles I travel in. So I thought it'd be really fun to do team sports movies. Okay, nice. <laughs> so our, our top five team sports. The only reason I said team sports was because if I just said sports, I worried that one of us would show up with a list of just Rocky films. So, <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, team sports. Um, so I think that'd be a fun conversation because uh, there's some cool comedies and then some serious dramas and stuff in there. So Yeah. Um, it's really funny because uh, that's one thing I was actually thinking of because we haven't done a sports movie list. Oh, <laughs> so I was nice. like, okay. Yeah, maybe I could do... Top five football movies so or something sometime soon, but yeah, that's right. a, that's a that's, that's hilarious. like one sports movie. I think I'm gonna try and squeeze in before this list because I think it looks kind of cool, and that's that one volleyball movie that um, came out. It looks looks very predictable, but it's I think it's called what? a perfect season. Oh, um, I've never even heard of it. It came out uh, this summer. Okay. Um, I it just looked cool. Helen Hunt's in it. She's coaching. She's a coach of a volleyball team. Okay. Uh, the movie looks cool. Looks hyper predictable. And whatnot, but nice. you know, sports movies are always tend to be feel good <laughs> movies at the same time. So you know, right. you get that emotional tear jerk here and there, and that kind of thing. So um, I don't know if it'd make the list, but I do want to see it. So I'll try and yeah. see if I can squeeze that in. But uh, one thing I will say is sports movies definitely I wouldn't say is my forte. So I might have missed a lot of big ones. So it'll oh, be interesting. interesting to see. But I'll definitely have five of them that I love. So interesting. Yeah. Well. Uh, real quickly, uh, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes. You can go to our website, top5report.com. Um, share us with your friends. We always want new listeners. And by all means, send us reviews, whether it's the five stars or write us a review. We'd like to hear how we're doing. Um, if you want to interact with the show, uh, shoot us an email at top5report at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to uh, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, it's at top5report. Um, you can follow me personally. I'm on Twitter at Drew3927. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And uh, on Instagram, I'm Ninja.Pierre. Um, so it's yeah, all check good. that out. Um, I, pulled a, I pulled a Batman quote. Not from the movie, <laughs> not from the cartoon, but comic books itself. Okay, nice. Uh, so we'll end the show with this. Um, to give you a quick setup of where this quote comes from, this is after... Uh, 
this is after a big crisis event, and the whole six issues, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are sitting around a table discussing who's going to be on the new team. So the whole book is them talking, and then they're sprinkling in bits of you're seeing what's going on with these people that they're talking about in their lives, and then they end up putting the team together in the end. So this is a Batman quote, and it goes as follows. It's bigger than us, and we should never let it be anything but that. Besides, it's a strong group, stronger than we were back then. It is true, Clark. We didn't get tough until we started training. Don't worry, though. The, world, the way the world is today, we will have plenty more battles to fight. <laughs>